Okay, so that now is officially the longest bumper video ever. So <laughs> I, uh, I came in this morning and I changed it up. Um, I saw that as I was just praying this morning. I saw that and I'm like, man, that's really cool. It'll go along with what we're going to talk about today. So, but thank you, Brian and Ashley, for fixing that for me. Um, I really threw them a monkey wrench and they came through. So, uh, my name's Gene Klingbill. If you don't know me, I'm an elder here at the church. Jonathan, our lead pastor, is protecting our country this weekend. Uh, he does it every weekend, but uh, he, t- this weekend he's got a work weekend. So, I'm filling in for him. Um, so, if uh, you're a first time guest and visitor, I-, I know there's a couple, and I got to meet a couple of you this morning. Welcome, guys, to our church. And we're so glad that you guys joined us this morning. And uh, we'd love to get to know you. We've got a small gift in the back, so you can grab one of those, or someone's going to put one in your hand. And it's just kind of saying thanks for visiting with us, and um, we're glad you're here. And it's a little bit about us this morning. Uh, so, Warner's out this morning. So, we have Henry. Is that right? I remembered his name. Wow, that's really good. <laughs> um, he, he did. He literally, he, yeah. he literally drove from Savannah at 4 a.m. I asked him, where do you go to church in Savannah? And I'm like, holy cow. So he, he came here to be with us this morning. So thank you for leading us in worship. And that, and that got me thinking, I love worship, guys. I love coming to Sunday and just worshiping our God. And it, it made me think about how do I worship? Um, you know, I, I tend to save my best worship for Sunday morning. But throughout the week, you know, I ought to be doing that all the time. You know, Monday through Sunday. God wakes us up every morning. We, I talked about that the last time I preached. Um, and, you know, literally, he takes care of us while we sleep, fills our lungs with air, and we get to wake up, and we ought to, just from that second, start to worship him. And he ought to be in our thoughts the entire day, up until, you know, we close our eyes. But I I tend to do that. I tend to save my best worship for Sunday. Well, God puts things in front of us all day long, all day long to remind us of his awesomeness and his power and his glory. And and we ought to just think about that as we go throughout the day. We ought to look for those little gems or, or reminders that God puts in front of us, and it ought to stop us dead in our tracks. And I don't do that. But I should. And as I was preparing for this sermon this week, um, I, I was constantly reminded of those things. And it, and it helped keep me focused, and, and it made my week better altogether. So for those on YouTube, guys, I, I always remember you guys, and we, we do, and we don't want you to feel disconnected. If you do, please reach out to, it doesn't have to be an elder. It could be one of the pastors or just anybody in the church. But reach out to us because you are part of the body of Christ. We miss you guys. We love you but uh, definitely want to recognize y'all. So we're going to go ahead and pray, and then uh, we'll, we'll get started here. Dear Heavenly Father God, I pray that uh, <clears throat> today is a, is a day that you will speak through me, that you can remove me, and, and your message can be heard. Um, I pray, Lord, that, that it is truly what we're going to read and, and look at today is a message of hope. Um, it's, it's, it reflects the gospel and we're just grateful for your words, uh, for, your, for your heavenly uh, father or for your son that came and, and paid the ultimate price for us. Just be with us, God, as we go throughout the day, through, go throughout our service, and um, just that it can bring honor and glory to you. Amen. So I often say, guys, listen to your wives, right? 
I, I say that all the time. And I don't always listen to my wife. I should, but I don't. She's, she's in the back now, I guess. So um, I'm not going to get in trouble. I probably will get in trouble. But anyway, uh, so she usually reads my sermons before I finish them and then send them out. Um, this time she didn't do that. So we're going to see how this works out. Because usually she edits and helps and guides me uh, throughout the day and throughout writing it. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare this one. So, but that's okay. God's going to take care of it. Uh, so the beginning part, though, was I started with a statement. And I said to Rebecca, I said, do you like this statement? She said, no, I do not like that. Um, she said, you got to change that. Well, I didn't want to change it, but I did um, because I'm going to listen to my wife. So, mm. all right, so I want to start off with a question instead of a statement. Is our God small? Is our God small? What I mean by that, do we truly believe in that our God has power, that he's providence in all things, um, that he's in control? Is our God small? And he puts these constant reminders every day, like I talked about, just right in front of us to show his awesomeness and his power. For instance, Monday through Friday, I have an opportunity to drive my kids to school. It's, it's really cool. They like going with me because they get to ride in the fire car. Um, and Noah's all the time, Dad, turn on the lights and sirens. And can't do that, buddy. We'll get in trouble. But... Uh, He's just waiting for the day where a call comes in, and I get to run through red lights. Um, but anyway, uh, so, but it's, it's an awesome opportunity for me to just talk to my kids. Well, every morning, as I'm going down 210, heading east, heading towards the ocean, what does God put in front of me every morning? The sun, right? This giant ball of fire that's literally just being raised over the horizon. The sun is 131 million Earths, 131 million Earths. That, that is just an immense feat. And he literally, it's like a balloon to him, right? He probably takes his hand and says, here, here I am, guys. It's so blinding that I either have to put my visor down or my sunglasses on. And I ought to stop dead in the tracks, turn my lights and sirens on, and just start worshiping God right there. But I miss it all the time, and he does it every day. Have you ever gone to the beach, guys, and just looked at the vastness and the expanse of the oceans that he created. He named and knows every single creature in the depths of the ocean. But I've gone to the beach so many times, we've got beautiful beaches here in Florida, and missed it. Missed the awesomeness and the power of our God. I've sailed on the oceans. I was in the Navy before I was a firefighter. And literally, it just amazed me at times that we would be sailing for two weeks across the Atlantic Ocean and still not get to our destination, and there's nothing but water. But again, I often miss it. Have you ever laid down on, on, a, uh, on a grassy knoll or, or in your backyard just sitting there around a fire or anything, and just at a night sky, it's clear, and stare up at the vastness and expanse of space and all the stars? Again, when in the Navy, at night when we were out at sea, and there's no ambient light from the city, and you just look up on a clear night, we would go out there all the time and look. But again, I, ought to sh I should have gotten down and worshiped God right there and missed it. We do that all the time. We, God puts reminders of who he is and what he is every day, but it's up to us to look at that, and it should stop us dead in our tracks and start to worship 
and praise God. <clears throat> so here, we're going to continue our series in Isaiah. Um, Jonathan will, will continue preaching next week, and, and he'll finish it out. But uh, as we look at, we're gonna, God is going to continue to show the nation of Israel who he is and the power he has. Um, even in their disobedience, God remains steadfast in his love for them. So Jonathan last week preached about, he, I don't even know if he probably did it on purpose, but I, I looked over at Rebecca and I said, oh, I like that. I'm going to follow up with that next week. He had an alliteration that he talked about how we have a patient God and a purposeful God. He used two letter P's, and I'm going to kind of follow on that theme here today. <clears throat> and then two weeks prior to that, he, he preached on how our God disciplines us at times and how he was disciplining the nation of Israel because they forgot who he was and his providence and his power. So we need that reminding as well. I just showed how every day I miss things um, that God puts in front of me. We need to make sure we know who God is, that he hears our prayers, he understands if we're dealing with suffering, pains, and hardships, um, that he's with us without question. So if you can turn your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah 40. Uh, we're going to start there today, or your phones, whichever. And we're going to read from Isaiah 40, 1 through 5. All right, so here we are, Isaiah 40, 1 through 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her, that her warfare is ended, that her inequity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord hand double all of her sins, for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepares the way of the Lord, makes straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley should be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of God shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So here, we need a little context. <clears throat> Where are we at in Isaiah? So chapters 1 through 39 uh, kind of explained what Isaiah, or uh, the nation of Israel, their disobedience, and how God was going to deal with that. Um, so here, Isaiah is a prophet. He's one of the major prophets. Last year, we did a sermon series on the minor prophets. And the only difference is the major prophets is the length of the book, not that one is better than the other. So Isaiah is here in the story in 39, and he's uh, King Hezekiah's helper. Well, King Hezekiah was a good king. And we see in chapter 38, he's sick. Well, 39, he starts to recover and the nation of Babylon sends emissaries to kind of pay their respects. So they come, and now Babylon is an evil nation. They're a pagan nation and a conquering nation. So they come in and they say, hey, we're here to kind of pay our respects. Um, and so King Hezekiah is elated with this. He's getting better. And he shows them everything he has in his kingdom. He shows them his army, the storehouses, the wealth, the treasures, everything. And he, they leave. Well, now Isaiah enters the picture and says, who was that king? And he said, well, they were nation, the nation of Babylon. And, you know, I kind of showed him everything. And I could see Isaiah like going, oh, my gosh. You know, that was a tactical error, right? Um, you just showed this conquering nation. It, it's probably not good. And he said, let me tell you what's going to happen. 
He said, in about 100 to 150 years, this nation is going to come in and take everything away from us. And he said, you won't have to deal with it. I won't have to deal with it, but our children will have to deal with it. So they're going to, they're going to do that. Well, here, Isaiah says, well, now I have to write, and, and God is going to deliver a prophecy to me. The nation of Israel is going to need to hear a message of hope. They're going to need to be reminded of who God is. And that's what Isaiah is doing here. He tells him in this first chapter here, in this first three verses, take comfort in him. So we need to be reminded of that. He reminds them in their deep discouragement to take comfort. Or in Hebrew, it means come forth. Come forth to them, to, to God. The nation of Israel needs to see God for what he is and who he is. Isaiah is going to make three points here that I, that I looked at in the Bible. And I, I'm following along that alliteration that Jonathan had, the P's. Um, so the first point is Isaiah is going to say, remind him the picture of God. And then he's going to say and talk and remind him of the providence of God. And he's going to finish up with the power of God. So if we look at Isaiah 40, verse 21 talking about the picture of God. I'm going to be all over the uh, Old Testament today. Um, Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? So here, God is reminding the Israelites who he is. He, He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Surely, God has done so many wonderful things for them up to this point. And surely they've heard about God from childhood. You know, the nation of Israel was good about that, passing down the stories of what happened in the past. If you look at Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, it explains this. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So God is telling them that they told their kids this. So they know, but they forget. Oftentimes we forget. He delivered them from bondage before. Remember in Egypt when when Pharaoh was king and and they had the nation of Israel in bondage and he, he delivered them. He used 10 plagues to get them out of bondage there. And then what happened? They were trapped by the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army and he delivered them through that. I've sailed through the Red Sea. That is, to me, it would be no small, well, to any of us, it would be no small feat. Not to God, though. He literally parted it. It wasn't a creek he was parting. It was a sea. So then he led him into the desert, and he sustained them while they were in the desert. He gave them manna, quail, and water while they were there. And then he, when, when other nations rose up against them, we did a sermon series on the judges. He raised up judges to help the nation of Israel at the time. Time and again, he was there for them. Time and again, he was there to show them the picture of who he was. They need to remember who the picture of God is. How many times in our own lives do we do that? Do we forget who the picture of God really is? How many times do we feel like the world is crashing around us, that that we're spinning out of control? Do we let our troubles, our economic situations, if we're sick, or our marriages are in trouble, or our kids with dealing with bullies at school, or, or just social media dealing with somebody that's not nice on social media, 
How many times do we let that take over and we forget our picture of God? We need to look every day, every moment, because the reminders are there for us to look at every day. So today and this morning, remember, and further on, follow on this week, who our picture of God is. So now we're going to look at the providence of God and how God is in control of all things. So Isaiah 40, 22 through 24. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings the princesses to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number. <clears throat> I think I went too far. Okay, I did. No worries. <laughs> We're going to get to that part. Uh, anyway, so here, God is circling. It says here he's circling above them, watching over them. And have you ever been to a super tall building? A few years ago, we went to New York City, and we went... We had the opportunity to go on top of the Empire State Building. That is really, really cool, by the way. And you just look out, and you see for miles and miles and miles. And then you look down, and everything is just super small. You know, the streets below, the people below, the cars below. And then, or if you're flying in an airplane, and you look out the window, and it's just vast in how far you can see. Well, here, it's, it, Isaiah is saying, God is watching over you. He's circling above watching over you. We have something even better. God is dwelling in us now. We have the Holy Spirit where we don't have a distant and far God. Our God is walking along with us in all of our pain and all of our suffering and all of our troubles and trials and tribulations. And he talks about the rulers here, how God put these rulers at the right place at the right time to serve his will. And then what did he do? When they served their purpose, he plucked them out and plucked them away. How many times do we sit there and worry about who's sitting in the White House or who our congressman is? We don't need to worry about things like that. God is in control. We have to remember our picture of God and that God has providence in all things. He is in control. So many stories in the Bible point to this. So many times God showed that he is providence. If we look at Noah, he came to Noah and told him to build an ark where there was no water around. Now, I probably would question that. I mean, that doesn't make too much, too much sense to me. But Noah did it. He understood who God was and that he was in control of all things. Moses, Ruth, Daniel, Joseph, David, over and over again, all of these guys and lady had to deal with things and had to trust in God's providence. So now, we need to see God's providence. When we see defeat in our lives, God sees a victory. When we see no hope, God says, I'll offer you more hope than you could ever want. When our cup is empty and we're just tired, he says, I will carry you, I will lift you up, and I will fill your cup more than you ever could imagine. So here we're going to fall on the power of God. So Isaiah 40, 25 through 28. I know I already read part of this. We're going to read it again. To whom then will you compare me, 
that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who will brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, no one is missing, or not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? All right. So the nation of Israel, they're in captivity. They're surrounded by all of these false gods. Remember, the nation of Babylon is a pagan nation. It would probably be easy for them to say, our God has abandoned us right now in our suffering and in our bondage and slavery. They, they probably look at the temples that these false gods had and say, well, where's our God in all of this? They felt at times probably abandoned. The idols probably look good to them. They just needed to have faith in the power of God. Job describes this in a beautiful way. If we look at Job 26, 7 through 14, I got all my markers here. He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds and the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the full moon and spreads over it his cloud. He has indescribed a circle on the face of the waters and the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? Job paints a beautiful picture there of God. God knew the plight of his children, and he was there in their suffering. The captivity, I'm sure, wasn't pleasant for them, but it certainly served a purpose that God was molding and shaping them in a way to bring about glory for him. <clears throat> Through his great power, we see that God is big and not small. Trusting in him to transform us, we need to trust in him in that process, no matter how much it hurt at times, but trust that he is in control and remember our picture of God, that we are not lost, that he has found us, that he's gonna transform our broken, sinful lives into something beautiful for him. So, all right, again, I ask, how big is our God? <clears throat> I'm sure the nation of Israel at times were saying, he's not big at all. He's left us, he's abandoned us in this. But I ask you, at times of uncertainty and hardship, how do we react? Do we do that? Do we at times say, God, where are you in my suffering? I know I do. I preach to myself all the time about this. I forget that God is in the center of all of this, that he has providence and power and I just need to look for his picture. <clears throat> so here, we're, I'm gonna, I, I googled things, great, man's greatest achievements. And I, it's funny, the different lists that I came up with. I even asked my kids, what are man's greatest achievements? And ice cream and uh, candy. And, uh, so anyway, but <laughs> no, it would be a ball, a football or something. But man's greatest achievements, Google, I looked at Google and so here was a list that one of the lists, there's many, many different lists. So there's really no 
consents on what is man's greatest achievement. But a few of these I fell on, I thought were pretty interesting. So the wheel, walking on the moon, that's that's pretty big deal there, I think. The internet, medicine, modern medicine, the printing press, pyramids. The py- if you haven't seen the pyramids, they're pretty awesome. Um, all of these things, these were the top ones on the list that I saw. But how big is our God? That, that right there is just man's greatest achievements that were done really through God to serve him in some way. But if we look at what Scripture says in Genesis, God literally whispered and spoke, let there be light, and there was light. The universe was formed. He forms us in our wombs. He knits us together. Have you ever watched a grandma knitting and how careful she is in knitting? God knits everything about us in, in our mother's wombs. All right, so that, that's an amazing occurrence, some of those events that God does. But here's a little science. I, I like science. How big is our universe? When scientists, when scientists talk about the known universe, that tends to lead us to there's an unknown part, right? And they're learning every day of new and exciting discoveries. Satellites go up and, and telescopes. They've got the Hubble telescope, and they've got a new one up. I don't know what it's called. But that they can look into the vastness and expanse of space. <clears throat> They're saying, estimated, there, there are 10 billion trillion stars. Think about that number. Ten, that's an estimate now, 10 billion trillion stars. <clears throat> All right, so that's, that's super hard to comprehend. But let, let's look at what Scripture says about those, uh, what Isaiah says. And it's uh, 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? All right. So he measures the width of the universe in the palm of his hand. Ten billion trillion stars is the estimate. If you look at Psalm 147, verse 4, about talking about the stars, told you I would be all over the place. He determines the numbers of the stars, and he gives to, to all of them their names. Ten billion trillion stars, estimate. God placed them all perfectly. He named all of them. I can't even name 100 people, right? I barely remember my name at times. Um, or my kids' names. I, I say Noah when I really mean Nathan, or Nicholas when I mean Natalie. That, no, that one's weird. But, um, <laughs> so, but I get them all mixed up, right? So God named every one of those stars. We need to look at the picture, the providence, and how powerful our God is. So several years ago, Louis Giglio, you all know who Louis Giglio is? He's an awesome pastor at Passion City Church. They did a tour with Chris Tomlin, and we did a Chris Tomlin song today, so that was kind of cool, um, where it was called Indescribable, and how he was, it's, it's, we can't describe who God is. We look at Scripture, and we try to look at that and say, this is the picture of God. This is the providence of God. This is the power of God. But we can't. But the stars can do that. The things around us. The reminders every day that we see that God puts in front of us of who he is. We, a small group not long ago, we, we, have these, we had a discussion on reminders of God. And Cynthia 
said something that was really cool about the sticky notes that God gives us all the time. And Kevin talked about how his dad used to keep a nail in his pocket to remind him of who God is all the time. Those are really cool reminders. But God puts reminders in front of us all the time that we need to look at. And so the stars do that. So here, here's an image. I think. Okay. All right. So this is the Whirlpool Galaxy. If you've seen this from Louis Giglio, it's a good reminder. If you haven't, it's pretty cool. So this is the Whirlpool Galaxy. It, it was shown by the Hubble Telescope when it was up there, and they were just coming back with all these cool, amazing pictures. This is 31 million light years from where you're sitting right now. That's big. 31 million light years. Now, light travels at, and kids, how fast? 186,000 miles per second. It's 31 million light years away, okay? So they peered, they, they took the Hubble and they say, well, let's start looking at the center of this galaxy, of the Whirlpool Galaxy. God sends us reminders all the time of where he is, or his providence, his power um, in the picture. And this is what the Hubble sent back. So that's at the center of the universe there, at, at, that, at that galaxy, of the Whirlpool Galaxy. Now, scientists call that the X structure. That, to me, is pretty clear of our God. See, he's everywhere. We just need to look. We just need to see who he is. That's 31 million light years away. And he's saying, here I am. I offer more grace, more hope, more your cup will be filled up. All you have to do is look for me because I'm there every day, every second. I'm walking with you in your pain, in your suffering, in, in your unbelief even. He is always there. We need to just remember our picture. And when things are out of control, we remember that God has providence and his awesome power. I want to close here with, with uh, what God says in Isaiah 40, he says, have you not heard, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So guys, how big is your God? Remember, that he always puts things in front of us every day, daily, to remind us of who he is, that he's in control, and he has power. So let us pray.